Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Daily Friend Wrap. I'm your host, Nicholas Lorimer, joined today by Mr. Maurice Root. Let us get into the news of the day. First thing we're going to talk about is the ANC's sort of uh, statement to launch the year. They do one of these, I think, every single year, but this one has particular importance because it is an election year. It was their January 8th statement made by President Ramaphosa, and it just basically goes through what the ANC's plans and thoughts are for this year. And uh, it's got some interesting turns of phrase in it. Uh, the statement describes the ANC as being under attack by anti-transformation forces. Uh, they say that, quote, we know that there are social and political forces that are working hard to undermine the gains of freedom made over the last three decades. They want to stop the march towards a more united, non-racial, non-sexist, democratic, and prosperous country that truly belongs to all. The anti-transformation forces are converging into pacts, while at the same time seeking to fragment the forces for change through splinter groups and smaller parties that will contest the ANC. Often these start as factional conflicts within the ANC, but when the movement pushes ahead with its renewal, they mutate into opposition parties that are opposed to the ANC as the right-wing opponents of transformation. The shared goal of all these forces is to deprive the ANC of the ability to use state power to effect change. Um, uh, Ramaphosa said the onslaught against transformation should make us determined this year to succeed in building a better life for all and be more deliberate and resolute about the renewal of the ANC and the broad democratic forces in our society. So, Marius, there's obviously a lot of electioneering in this. Um, they talk a lot about all the things they've accomplished. And then what really kind of disturbs me about this, though, is this ANC habit, which is we've seen you know, through their entire existence, but it's particularly nasty in an election year of kind of describing this all in this conspiratorial tone, this kind of idea that there's a, a plot that somehow uh, the, the attempt to form the MK party by Zuma is in some way connected to the attempt to uh, form a coalition pact between the DA and the IFP, as though this is all one great, as they put it, onslaught against, well, democracy is what they say. Um, what do you make of this this statement? Yeah, it's usual uh, ANC electioneering, as you say, and it's also it's a fundamental misunderstanding of uh, how things work in a democratic society. You know, in in a democracy, people have freedom of association. They can go form political parties if they want. They can oppose the ANC if they want. The ANC doesn't have a God given right to rule South Africa, even though. I think a lot of people in the ANC think that. And I think a lot of people actually, even though they don't think that, they kind of accept that the ANC, South Africa belongs to the ANC. Uh, but people are allowed to go um, oppose the ANC. Uh, this, that's how it works in democracy. It's not an onslaught. It's people campaigning for votes. And that's how things work in a, a free society. Uh, there, I think there is a, quite a strong anti-democratic kind of thread uh, within the ANC. Uh, but that all said, though, uh, you know, South Africa, we can, we complain a lot about this place, and there's a lot to complain about. But for and all, all for the ANC's rhetoric, uh, you know, you can still say whatever you want. You can say things about Solomon Pause and not get thrown into jail. Uh, you know, there's there's no uh, there's a free, there's freedom of press uh, of the press. You know, uh, newspapers aren't shut down and all that kind of thing. But uh, at the same time, there is uh, stuff to be worried about, especially in KwaZulu Natal with, uh, I think, political killings are unfortunately starting to become uh, quite a serious thing in KwaZulu-Natal again. It's not just even within the ANC. People from the IFP, the NFP, uh, even the ACDP and now the DA have been killed in KwaZulu-Natal for 
seems pretty clear that's political reasons. So overall, I think uh, South Africa's democracy, even given what the ANC says in this 8th January statement, which really doesn't, support, uh, doesn't surprise anybody who really follows politics in South Africa, I think uh, South, Africa's democracy, South Africa's democracy is still in pretty rude health. But, uh, you know, there's some uh, red, red lights going off on the dashboard, which I think we should uh, be a little bit concerned about, I think. It's also kind of interesting, of course, that they use this word onslaught, uh, which has a lot of uh, historical weight in South Africa. And I think it does represent that the ANC is feeling under a lot of pressure right now. Um, as you've pointed out many times, Morris, it is still, of course, possible that the ANC will get above 50% in this election. But it's clear that it's going to be a very hard-fought campaign. And I think this statement kind of points that out. Um, we've already seen the ANC sort of this, this seems to be the kind of basis of their attack lines for the election. And we've already seen people in the ANC claiming that the social grant system will be abolished if they lose the majority, um, which is uh, not actually true. I don't think there's any sort of coalition of parties who don't like the, the, the social grants that will be able to take power. So uh, any final thoughts on this, Morris, before we move on? Yeah, I just want to say I think the ANC's panic is also actually another sign that shows that Africa's democracy is in pretty good nick. Uh, the ANC knows there's a, quite a good chance that it's going to go under 50%. And that's because there's going to be free political campaigning in South Africa. I think, unfortunately, we are going to see some things we don't like. There is going to be a little bit of violence, I think. And some people, there probably will be some killing, unfortunately. Now, nothing like what we saw in the uh, early and mid-1990s, though, I don't think. But I think that it also shows that the ANC knows that it can't uh, tell the IEC what kind of results it wants to get. You know, the IEC, for all its faults, is it's an independent organization. Uh, if anybody's interested, uh, we uh, the Institute of Racial Relations released a paper last year by Mark Atkins. Uh, you should go have a look at that. Uh, it's criticized the IEC, but uh, there's very little evidence that there's been any rigging in South African elections post-1994. Uh, anything, any of the kind of shenanigans is more come from human error and mistakes and so on. So I think, as I say, this, this ANC panic is actually quite a good sign for our democracy and shows that the ANC knows that, you know, uh, it can't actually just ride roughshod of what, uh, over what people want. But that all said, I think there's still a pretty good chance that in a completely fair and open election, the ANC could still get over 50%. Yeah, obviously, this is going to be the main story of this year, so we're going to be following it very closely. Uh, let's very briefly move on to the under-19 cricket side captain or former under-19 cricket side captain for South Africa, David Tiger who at an event which he believed to be a private event, he made some comments in support of Israeli soldiers fighting in the war in Gaza currently. And there has been a lot of public backlash against this. Uh, many pro-Palestinian groups have called for him to be kicked off of the team or kicked out of South African sports to say that he can't represent the country. He, uh, he, he was initially found to have not breached uh, their code of conduct, I believe. Um, but uh, cricket South Africa code of conduct that is. However, after a meeting with the sports minister, he was suddenly removed as captain for the official reason being uh, to quote unquote mitigate the risk of conflict or even violence during the tournament in South Africa, because um, currently the under nineteen World Cup, I believe, is being held here. So, Marius, I thought of thought the story had gone away that uh, Tiger was going to be fine, um, and uh, that that this was really going to turn out to be a storm in a teacup. Unfortunately, it seems as though the story has had a lot of legs. What do you think it says about the state of free speech in South Africa? 
Uh, I mean, I think this is quite a complex issue. I do think it was disgraceful how CSA has handled this. Uh, they found Tiger hadn't uh, crossed any lines and uh, whatever you after uh, his statements, and they kept him on as captain. And then suddenly they removed him, for which clearly seems to be uh, a reason that's actually not true. Uh, there've been media reports. Uh, so the reason he was dropped as captain is because there were claims that uh, there were security issues. But it seems that it's uh, Got nothing to do with security. And if it was was uh, security, then they probably would have left me on the team completely, not just have left him out as captain. So, but at the same time, uh, I do think it is important for people who represent the country to keep their views on certain kind of hot button issues to themselves. But that all said, when Tigo made those statements, he believed he was in a private uh, event. Uh, he wasn't contracted to CSA or anything like that. He hadn't officially been appointed as the under-19 captain for the World Cup yet. So it's all pretty complicated. I mean, uh, I, have to, I, don't, I don't think it would be appropriate for somebody like, say, Sia Colisi to say that you should go vote for the ANC or the DA or the EFF or whatever the case is. You know, even kind of a uh, kind of mild statement like that. So it is important, I think, for people who are representing the country and aren't politicians to keep those kind of views to themselves. But at the same time, I mean, Tigo is a 19-year-old. There's kind of a lot of mitigating circumstances. A lot of, uh, he hadn't gone through, obviously, through media training or anything like that. So I think at the end of the day, nobody's really covering themselves in glory here. And I just hope for uh, Tiger's sake and South African cricket's sake that uh, he decides to continue making his career in South Africa. And uh, I hope he uh, has a good World Cup, which uh, starts on Friday, I believe. Yeah, well, the good news for him, at least, is that while he may have been dropped as captain, he's still on the side, on the cricket side. So with any luck, uh, this will all sort of fade away in time. I'm still not, uh, I, 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 I'm not I must say, I'm not particularly pleased with this kind of, the, the way that this pressure has gone on and uh, this removal, especially after the initial thing found that he hadn't broken the code of conduct. Uh, I think if they'd at the time, if they'd said, look, we're going to remove him because he's saying these things and it's you know quite controversial, I wouldn't have agreed with the decision, but I think it would have shown that much more de decisive. They just seem like you know a bunch of uh, kind of uh, nebbishes or wets. You know, they didn't really know what to do, and now they're using this excuse of security which is clearly not the real reason he's had the captaincy taken away. Exactly. The the, the lies make this much worse. Um, but anyway, let's very quickly close off with our last story. On Sunday, there was a bad train, train crash. Uh, luckily, no one was killed or hurt, as far as I understand. Will you seriously hurt? Um, on the main coal export line in South Africa, uh, one train crashed into another. Apparently, the one train was stationary due to a power outage. Not entirely clear, I think, all the details of the crash. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if it was cleared yet. It was uh, uh, yesterday. Workers were working to clear it. But this is another thing holding up the uh, export of coal on that uh, line, which has been very problematic for the past year. Um, in 2022, South Africa exported the lowest amount of lowest volume of coal in three decades along that line. Uh, and and big business, the big mining companies have been freaking out about the damage to that, uh, the the inability of Transnet to be able to secure cargo transition across its um its network. Marius, uh, this kind of is one of those stories that you sort of think, of course, it was a power outage. It's like <laughs> almost a bad parody of of itself. What, what do you make of this? That's pretty much a metaphor for South Africa, you know, <laughs> the power outage that uh, led to the derailing of the trains. 
And I mean, I just hope nobody was hurt in this. I mean, obviously, they went passenger vehicles, so hopefully, the drivers were weren't hurt. But just shows, I mean, as as I say, it's just a metaphor really for South Africa, you know. Like, and if there had been a power outage, you, you'd think that you know the signals down the line would have prevented the other train from carrying on and hitting the stationary one. So it just shows like all these kind of systems collapsing, you know. It's, Ah, as I say, it's basically a perfect metaphor for South Africa and what's going on. All right, that's all the time we have for today. We hope that you found the show interesting. We'll be back tomorrow with the Daily French Show. Cheers.